really think I did a good job with North So, uh, so if you're going to take a look at some of your work, that's uh, that's a good touchstone. I I, to get into the world, yes. Mm -hmm. To get into the the Nordland setting, uh, that's the book. Uh, And I do intend on on converting Citadel at Nordborn to Dragon Heresy. They do share the same base setting. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. That uh, where did I want to dive into? Oh, and not to mislead our our, our listeners and our viewers that all the products on your website are all coming from your fertile imagination and hands. You have writers. There's a list of great writers. There's uh there's artists. There's, oh you, you have, you have an editor. Uh, I do. I have, I have used several editors when someone else does the writing. Uh, I edit them. Um, when I do the writing, I get an editor. Absolutely. You cannot edit yourself. You should not edit yourself. Um, some people try. Maybe a couple people succeed. Mostly not. Um, but you need someone who can take an objective look at what you're doing and yeah. say, I, I don't get what you're doing here. You need to explain that better. Mm-hmm. Um, or, the most or, exciting thing is is when they communicate what they think of it, and that is exactly what you wanted to communicate. Then you're like, oh, right. my God. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I've got a, an art team. It, it evolves over time. Um, but I've, I have, especially my, the current roughly dozen folks that I tap, uh, to do my art, um, mm-hmm. uh, usually a couple per book. Cause what I try and do is shorten the time to delivery, uh, by tapping multiple artists on any given project. Uh, tower of the moon is actually an exception that I, uh, tapped, uh, Billy blue, um, to do the cover and the four pieces of interior art. Mm-hmm. Um, and David and, and Pulver the, is the writer of he's the writer. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and interestingly enough to, cause to bring it back around to OSR stuff, originally tower of the moon wasn't a swords and wizard swords and wizardry adventure, mm-hmm. uh, that was converted to TFT. David wrote it. He had the rights to it. Uh, we talked to Steve Jackson games said, Hey, you know, can we convert this? And, and Phil more or less said, yes, but, have original cover make sure that when you see these two things next to each other on a shelf they're different they are distinct and i took that to heart in multiple ways so like if i'm gonna convert citadel at nordborn to dragon heresy i'll, I'll purchase a new cover for it yeah um, yeah it's gonna have a new it's gonna have a new cover and new tower one. of the moon is one of the, the things i enjoy about it it's one of those can you do a tower? Because towers are cool, and can you um, find some way to upend at least some player expectations to create some tension and drama? Yeah, and, and I, I really like... Um, well, first of all, the fantasy trip is, is an inherently lethal game. It's, it's Let's talk about true. the fantasy yeah. trip. I think it's yeah. time to get right into the fantasy trip because... Whoa, I think I hit something. Um, yeah. the, uh, the fantasy trip is old school i've played it as a kid in elementary school just pretty much melee and what i see it as first is uh, it was designed by steve jackson and that it was the first iteration of gurps gurps yeah. came from uh the fantasy trip yep and i there. and i also chuckled at when i was reviewing because i've been been through these pages but it's been a while but when you're a teenager and all you do is read these things again and again it's like i never put it down um but they're they're giving um a big promise it's the game of the 80s it's the one you've been needing yada 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 and um you know eh, some of it's cool but some of it misses it as well so um why the interest in the renewed interest because if you look at the copyright dates you got 19 you go from (laughs) you go from 1980 to 2018 yes where was has it been and why is it back and why are you all in on the fantasy trip okay okay uh let me give you the simple version of that when steve jackson wrote the fantasy trip he did it for a company called metagame Yes. So he did Loved not own, He did not own the rights to the fantasy trip. Oh. Uh huh. So when metagaming folded, 
there was a provision, and I don't know if it was even operative at the time, uh, but there's a provision in copyright law that says if an IP that you had involved yes, in I'm familiar, uh, yeah. has, okay, has uh, lain unused. That got some press. For 30 year. years. That was a hot topic. You can get it back. And 1980 to 2010 is 30 years. And so he started the process and it took a while. And then he got it back. Howard Thompson, his name is all over the, the fantasy trip. Is this individual still alive? Is he? I, I what's the reaction? Don't know. Okay. I don't know. And I do know that there, that, that the, when the, the breakup of, of that company, whatever, uh, I, I do not believe that it was terribly cordial. Um, mm. But I also know so little about it. Uh, and certainly nothing contemporaneous. I just see his name yeah. everywhere when I'm looking at metagaming. So right. obviously yeah. no. he was, he's very important in the history of what we've come to know as GURPS. Right. And, and, and I believe that that, that uh, he was the owner of metagaming. I, I, I got to say, I haven't dug too deeply in it. I right. just see his so, name enough and it's in the proper places to right. say he was the driver. Okay. So, so we have concepts in the fantasy trip. Uh, high lethality, uh, short combat rounds, uh, position and, and tactical movement, very important. Mm -hmm. But you can't do it because that IP is taken. Yep, it's called Melee. Called, yep, so it's out there, Melee Wizard in the Labyrinth, whatever, it's out there. Mm -hmm. So you write man-to-man. -man, you write man-to-man. You write man to man, and then man to man evolves into GURPS and second edition, third edition, fourth edition. All right, now sometime during that phase, right? And and remember, fourth GURPS fourth edition came out in two thousand four. So, I bought GURPS first edition box set in Daytona Beach when I was laying carpet. I'm from New Hampshire originally, and I was far from home. And that was right. like it was like the one role playing game that I found. I didn't know anything. Well, I knew what it was. I had played it. I'm like. I need to feel at home <laughs> just right, buying right. and having so, a right. book. You know, and I came to GURPS in 1989 when my gaming group, uh, and we had been trying all kinds of different systems. My friend Mark comes and says, you will never need another game after you play this. This is just the coolest thing ever. And so we played it and it was cool. And, and I got away for a little bit. Then I went to college and I just went all in on GURPS 30. I'm skeptical of the, it is a generic universal role-playing game. It can build you anything much like BRP. Um, sure. But is it appropriate for everything? Does it have you know, a niche? I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I, I, I think that's entirely valid. Um, you know, and... Because I, as a DM, I pick yeah. up tools. Yeah. If I'm going to do space opera, what's the best tool for it for me to use? Is it right. this system or this? I'm, I'll, uh, I'll use anything if it fits. I'm not married to a system. Right. No. And, and like one of the things that I always do is I still think that the, the most fun that I've ever had doing a Star Wars game is with the old D6 West End games. Mm -hmm. I just thought it captured the flavor. It was rules light enough that it just stayed out of your way. Uh, it, it enabled being heroic without label, you know, burden you and you just you could just do stuff. And that was fun. Uh, and the more that they tried to mechanize it with second edition and later, uh, the worse. You, it got. Yeah, that's you what seems to be the general consensus. And I have a, the the first edition, something came out, the slipcover set that was available. Um, so I could I dove into that and digested yeah. it. And I was like, I could see the appeal. I never played yeah. it in the 80s, but I can see why people did. Yeah. So anyway, so so really what you had, getting back to your original question, is you had GURPS evolving all the way through fourth edition, and then TFT notionally became available. Um, Steve would have had to have filed all the paperwork to go get it, uh, and that would have been probably in the 2010s-ish. Uh, but you have to realize, you know, T you know, the fantasy trip had a following back in 1980, and then you had a couple companies that dabbled in the IP, but no one was suing anybody, and the IP was sort of out there. Uh, and there were a couple companies that did TFT-like things. Um, and I'm blanking on the names. But, but it seems like a game that's been r resurrected from obscurity. It did, yes. And I think what happened, uh, if I had to speculate, is uh, you know, Steve has never forgotten 
that he wrote it and he liked it and, and all that. Uh, Phil Reed likes rules like games, just full stop. You know, he likes simple card games. He likes just getting out there and playing. Uh, the, 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 the fewer rules get in your way, the better. And so the, the ability to write down a character. Yeah, uh, the strength, strength, yeah, Done. Done. Boom. You know, a couple minutes and go. And that was really the. Uh, I will, let's not digress, because uh, I'm a big digresser. Anyway, so TFT <laughs> had the thing, and what they were like, they they did the ogre, huge game, right? Huge box. Yeah. Has its own gravity. It used well, to be so small. And it got huge, and almost all of it. But anyway, what they wanted to do with this? Look, you know, they learned from that, and it almost killed that 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 project was ridiculous. And it meant, it was a million dollar Kickstarter back when million dollar game Kickstarters were rare. Uh-huh. Um, but it almost killed them because they just kept adding stretch goals. And I don't think that they'd really thought it out. Well, for TFT, they're like, we're going to plan out the entire thing from zero dollars to a billion dollars. And we'll figure out what we can do and still win. And they delivered a monstrous box. But the thing was, I think, is that for 30 years, people had still played this simple little tactical game because they could. And you didn't need more. You could get together over lunch, yep. write down a couple of players, yep. fight in a half an hour. That's what we Maybe did. do a couple of battles. That was my experience. Pack it up and leave. And so it was something that had the capability of extending into the role playing or you could do tactical. But it was light enough that you didn't have to bring a backpack full of splat books and argue over rules minutia. There was a tiny book and this is how you play it. And let's, and it was the emergent behavior of the tactics that was interesting to people. And so 30 years later, the people who were playing when they were in their teens have money. Yes, they do. <laughs> and and <Hopefully>. they were, <laughs> and they were willing to and have been willing to uh, purchase the materials, starting with the Legacy Edition, uh, they've been very good to me. And and what wound up happening was right after I had kickstarted Citadel of Nordborn, uh, or maybe I had the book in hand because I went to a, a, a game hole con mm-hmm. in, in Wisconsin, um, and I had a business meeting with Steve and, and I was like, yeah, hey, you know, what can this is? And, and anyway, I, I want to, you know, what, thank you for letting me play in the grip space, but is there, I know what I'm doing for, for this. Is there anything that Steve Jackson games want for me? And Steve as laconic as ever says, right for the fantasy trip. And I said, let me think about that. Cause I've never played. I think I played the first time at that convention. I'd never played. That wasn't my thing. And so I said, I don't want to, jump into that and say yes if i'm going to do it badly um so i said i will give that serious thought and i went to my stable of authors and uh, uh david pulver and christopher rice and jedward tremlett had both written for the fantasy trip in its new new incarnation um for steve jackson games and i went to them and said would you be and david and i know each other from way back and, and christopher and i have gamed together forever and written pyramid articles and we ran a uh how to write for pyramid group. We called it the pyramid right club. The first rules, you don't talk about right club. Um, that was Christopher. Um, but we had this thing where we were trying to help build the author pool. Uh, but I went to those guys and said, Hey, give me five ideas each of adventures that mm-hmm. you might like to do. And I'll look them over and I'll pitch one or two each to Steve Jackson games. And I went to Elaine Dawson and I did the licensing manager and I said, here's 10 ideas, five from each author. Why don't you pick out the ones that you want me to do? And they looked and they said, yes. I said, what do you mean? Yes. And they're like, do yes, do that. They did. They said, do them all. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, it's like the line from how to train your dragon. You just, you just pointed to all of me. Uh, so did you say I said, retainer? Okay. I need a retainer. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, no, it's all on me, right? I mean, they, they just basically say go, right? Um, and uh, so that was, no, the Steve Jackson Games, I pay them. I pay them the license fee. They don't They don't pay me for that. Oh, this I see. That's the relationship is you're allowed to go out and And use sell, the rules. And use the rules. And you pay, right. you pay them the license fees and they're happy. Yep. That's and, right. And that's built on personal relations. 
because it will probably change and be different with any different game company that you approach. Steve it, it Jackson's is. approach is not going to be White Wolves or Chaosiums. Right. right. And, yeah. And and so you need the relationship. I wrote for Steve Jackson Games 13 Pyramid articles. I was lead mm. play tester on several. I was I was lead play tester on um, high tech tactical shooting uh, loadouts. Uh, I was I've been play testing their stuff ever since grad school uh, in, in in the 90s. Uh, and then I wrote mm-hmm. GURPS Martial Arts Technical Grappling for them. Um, and so I was a known quantity uh, to them. And so when I said, hey, let me write for you uh, originally for GURPS, uh, mostly they just say no to people. But they said, okay, this is a known quantity. Mm-hmm. So we won't say no. We'll say not yet or maybe. And then eventually it evolved. And after a couple of successes, and they're like, "This guy runs a this guy runs a tight shop." And I, you know, I was, you know, they, you know, they actually had to say, "Look, you're you're paying us the license fees every month. Stop that. Your contract says quarterly." Um, you know, because I wanted to stay on top of things, and and project management was what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so they liked that, and so anyway, so we got a great relationship, and we we maintain it. Um, they help me out with some marketing every now and then they let me tap into some of their email lists and, and it's very cordial. Um, you know, but in any case I went and I said, okay, let me do this 10. And the, the, the TFT audience was very, uh, responsive. Uh, however, it's not just, they're not just going to throw money at anything. The campaign was going on. Okay. But I had wound up, uh, I, I overpriced the initial offering, um, for the first uh, campaign that I did, which I called uh, Four Perilous Journeys. Um, it, it, it was really, it was probably too much money uh, at the time for what uh, what they, what they what people were getting, especially since it was the first time. So I added a fifth book, and that was Vampire Hunter Belladonna, a solo. And I said, well, there, then, then that was interesting. And then I said, well, I will also, I found some, some vendors who would do small run cards and car- hmm. counters. And I said, well, I'll also do cards and counters. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a month-long Kickstarter campaign, the boring part, right? Mm-hmm. I went straight up. I went from like, maybe I'll get to 20,000 to like, I'm going to maybe when you When you offered cards, that was, is that what you're saying? That, that you yeah, got? Yeah, when, when I offered the physical goods, people just started flinging money at the project. It was crazy. I've never seen a response like that in almost any Kickstarter project. Certainly not one of mine. It was the first time that, but it was very clear that the TFT people knew what they wanted and they wanted stuff. (laughs) Not books. They wanted stuff. Who is buying the fantasy trip? And what I mean by that is this people that have always been playing it and it's been under there or what is, if there's new gamers, what attracts them to a, you know, a crusty old 1980s game? You know, I, I think the core audience is the people who've been playing it for a long time, but there, there are people, the person who runs the TFT discord server only started playing in the last couple of years. he never heard of it before. He just thought that the simple rules tactically deep, uh, a lot of very engaged people because you have people who are just, you know, it's, it's, it's what is the, uh, uh, from uh, uh, Bull Durham, man, I'm just happy to be in the show, right? You know, I'm yeah. happy to be in the game, right? Um, or, or, or Guy Flagman from uh, 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 Galaxy Quest, I'm just happy to be on the show, man. So they're just happy that their game that they loved is supported again, and that and mm-hmm. that's contagious, and and it's got support. I mean, Steve Jackson Games put a lot of stuff for it. I've published now fifteen books for TFT. Um, that and did you you said published? Published. Or, yeah, yeah. Because do you consider yourself a, a writer, but or a publisher? Do, yes. Is there is there a transition that you went from from like you were just the you know the the creator and doing your own, doing your ideas, and then there was like I got to take a different role in this you know um once i just started to start kind of self-publishing my own thing so the first couple of products like dragon heresy no let me back up dungeon grappling and lost hall of tear i outsource i wrote them um i outsourced the layout i outsourced the editing because i was the writer so i have to outsource but i didn't know the layout 
Um, for Dungeon Grappling, I'm sorry, for Dragon Heresy, uh, I split a little bit and I had started to do some of my own layout. I, I actually, Zach Glazer from Frog God spent a couple hours with me walking me through InDesign, which is a very complicated program uh, to get into. Um, yeah. But on his own time, he said, yeah, let me, let me walk you through this. And I was able, I started off taking the layout that had been given to me on prior books and I use that as a template. Mm -hmm. And now I make my own templates, right? And okay. now I'm, I'm, not, I'm not writing my own scripts, but I'm using scripts and I'm starting to use the power of the program. So you become, uh, at least in, right. it's, so, my, yeah. it's my opinion and it's based on um, not much. But if you are serious about creating some books, you need to go to Adobe, prostrate yourself before them, and accept their products. It's the industry standard, and it's there for a reason. Don't mess around with the free uh, sourceware. That, from my own experience, I knocked my head against this because I was going to do it cheap, and I wasn't going to pay them, and I wasted a lot of hours, my creativity and output, using Adobe products. I'm, I don't mean to be selling Adobe, but if you want to write and and do layout you gotta get it you gotta be I, I, I think there is I, i'm gonna give you a yes but almost uh the affinity suite is damn close the affinity of uh, serif affinity the publisher uh uh publisher photo and uh their their illustrator i find that maybe it's improved but i found their their program uh too unstable i had there, too many glitches and too many problems okay. There, there's, I, I've done a couple of products in it. I'm trying to remember which one, but I, I've done a couple in, in Affinity. The thing that, and it's a very simple thing for me. I make extensive use of automatically spanning columns for my layouts. I like my, my section titles to go across columns and then break. And having to reflow those manually is a giant pain in the butt, and Adobe supports that, and Affinity doesn't. When Affinity does... I will revisit. Okay, we got that. Take take um, notes out there, kids. If you're considering um, publishing yeah. your own stuff, you're gonna have to learn some layout software. You, you, you are, and and so there's that. Um, I uh, I don't pretend to be a good artist, but I have a uh, an old high school friend who is a professional art director for uh, or was for many years for a series of top tier video game companies and and after i've been doing my art direction a bit i said hey you know ken how, how am i doing here he's like you know for what you are and who you are you're actually doing really really well your pictures are, are evocative they're not either overly complex or too stupid you're conveying the stuff that you do he's like you're actually you're, you're doing fine um and mostly my art direction is stick figures um, but one of the advantages of retaining the same art team over and over and over again, they these know guys what you, know what I want. They yep, know what I they want. They know what you want. They know right? what you want. They know that if they give me giant shoulder pads for plate armor, I'm going to say, no, here's some references from museums, <laughs> right? If, if, if you show me something with, you know, a, 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 a babe with all kinds of crazy armor going on, I'm going to show like, here's a couple of great pictures of, of, attractive warrior looking women in armor you do that right um and and oh here's here's another thing i'm like no the stances of these people don't look like they're fighting right this person's holding a sword like a conductor's baton that's not gonna no, work it's this, no, no one, right okay or or you know here's a anyway and my, my wife is a martial arts instructor when she's not building wastewater treatment plants and so she's my photo wrapper i'm like no you need to stand like this and so she has the the posture that uh -huh. you need and just so, like frazetta you know, did frazetta was a big user of of uh models right and unlike boris vallejo i don't know if he's saying is like there seems to be a personality in a fight for life and boris somehow is just <laughs> flat personal okay. opinion but anyways yeah in any case, the point is, is that, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I am both a writer and a publisher. Um, you know, like the, I'm writing currently uh, some systemless stuff uh, that, that I want to see if I can take my 
experiences on making cool cities and towns for Nordborn, like Nordborn, and just say, you supply your own mechanics. I'm going to give you a really cool that sounds like place a, to go visit. I get that, but it seems like a tough road to hoe. We'll see. That, yeah, I'll be, uh, you know, drop us a line and tell us the success of yeah. that approach. Yeah. Um, players... I want to I want to circle back to yeah. uh, what I want. Here's why not heroes? Why not hero games as opposed to GURPS? Why? Oh. Why GURPS? Because hero games they're still alive. They have yeah, yeah, yeah. a big fan base, and it seems like you are either heroes or GURPS, and they're both trying to capture the same the same market. No, I, or, I played I played Fantasy Hero, I played Robot Warriors, I played Champions. Um I I'm trying to remember if I owned Why is GURPS better, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I I don't know that it's better. It's one of those things where uh I fell into a GURPS game right at the point where I went from high school to college and I had to pick something and mm-hmm. you more or less you played D&D, but for whatever reason, I think probably because GURPS had the firearms uh, and, and modern stuff. They did. Um, and and you know what? What really happened was I I have a big review called the Sunday Review, but I had a big blog post where I talked about my love for GDW Dark Conspiracy setting and how the mechanics of that original first edition game were so awful that it was unplayable. Which game are you referring to? Uh, Dark Conspiracy. Oh, it Dark was, Conspiracy, actually. Okay. It, it the game designer workshop? GDW, yep. Uh, and it was based off of the Twilight 2000 second edition rules. I am familiar with Twilight 2000 first edition right uh the second but anyway the the point about it was that i started to play that because i just it had it had technology it had aliens it had magic it had demons it was modern but you could fight and and it was grounded enough in modern day stuff that you could get it it had some post-apocalyptic coolness it had some cyberpunk had everything and i loved it and it was unplayable because the mechanics were so bad and I was like, I'm trying to run this campaign, and, I'm, and my players are getting frustrated because of the way that the character – nobody could do anything because of the way that the system worked. Nobody could succeed in any of the roles because of the way that it broke down. And so I was like, i got to do something. And I was like, well, I have this GURPS 3rd edition revised thing. And I, I went and I just started collecting books. And I built this massive campaign. And because this was one of my first campaigns, I was constantly looking up rules and and stuff in this stack of books that was like bigger than me i'm not very tall so you know it's not saying much um but the point was is that i could do it and i got familiar with all the different bits and pieces and i used too many of them because it's a con that's a rookie mistake and i was a rookie at the time but it was just one of those things where at that point i had uh, uh not just a financial and, and an intellectual investment uh i had a library yeah I had a wall of books and I didn't need to rebuild that. Um, and, and it just stuck with me. So I, it wasn't necessarily a rejection of hero. I had fun playing the superhero games and, and, uh, uh, and, you know, uh, GURPS, uh, when, when Steve Jackson games wrote the intro to GURPS, he said that he had taken some inspiration from the hero system. So, you know, it, it, it was just, I don't know that it was something wrong. Oh, hero. I know. I mean, it was fine game. It just wasn't what I went into. Can I tell you what broke me on GURPS? Because I was yeah. exposed to it in high school. Um, and then I part, it was the one second round. Yes, I, I totally get that. And it, yeah, it. it and it, you've got, is it, am I reading in uh, Dragon Heresy? You got five second? Dra- yeah, well, well, Dragon Heresy is, is fifth edition. So oh, that's it, right. That doesn't compare. I'm so sorry. it inherits the structure. Now, now that being said, is I actually in 2022, I have permission from Steve Jackson Games to write my own box set, although it probably won't be a box, um, tentatively called Mission X, which is going to be a futuristic, but it's going to be a standalone game. And one of the things that I have to decide is whether or not I adopt 
the one second com the one second combat round. That's going to be a tough decision. That's got to be a tough decision for. And, and my default will be yes, but one of the things again, blog post. How could it not things, be yes? You know, because it's, uh, it's well, because, been proven be, be, that the people well, who play well, it like but it's it. Also been, but it's also been proven to be a problem because people want to do more with their turn yes. than one second allows. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. When you know when when especially if you are not running a game where you're like, what do you do? I stand up. What do you do? I shoot. Roll some dice. Okay, you hit. Let's move on. What do you do? What do you do? If, if you're not coming around relatively quickly, then when you get to your turn, you want your turn to matter. Yes. Especially if things are lagging or whatever, you're going to be like, well, first I run over here and then I want to do this and then I want to pick the lock and then I want to give a soliloquy and then I want to save the princess and that's my turn. And you're like, all right, you take a step. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right, not going right? to work. And, no? and, then, and you're done, right? And, and, so, and so, but if you can keep it moving, you can exploit the fact that sometimes one second is really kind of all it takes, but you get, but, but the, I would, as a DM, would want to be elastic. Yeah, and, Within and that is what the you combat, have to do. and I don't think I would get player right. buy-in. So, so the the elasticity of it. What I did in a game that inspired the upcoming Mission X uh, uh, game, I ran a campaign that I called Alien Menace, and that's actually going to be the subtitle: Mission X Alien Menace. Um, but I used what was called a cautious advance time, which was five seconds. Uh huh. And you got to pick from a limited choice. You could move and do something else, and you ended your move on what was called a, a, a term of art in GURPS called a wait, which means that you're, yeah. you're poised yeah. for action. Yeah. Um, so if someone comes into your field of view, you may interrupt that and act. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you choose to move double or whatever, you lose your weight. And if the bad guy pops out, you're sitting there with your butt in the wind. You're about to get lasered in the face, right? Um, but but by and large, what it allowed is to say, okay, everybody can move. Now you're waiting, and then the bad guys go or whatever. But it allowed for something that didn't have to go all around the table, but it was limited enough to be like the classic thing is like everyone moved your tokens on your VTT and someone, instead of going one thing moves it all the way into the dark spot. Like, no, 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 no. Just reveal. Right. So it was, it was, you say, okay, you can take a move, but order doesn't matter. Just go put yourself where you want to be. So you move. Okay. Nothing happens yet. You move, go. Oh, you make a, make a roll, do this, whatever, make a perception, you know, Um, make yourself rolls, whatever, whatever, whatever. And the, that, that five-second amount of time tends to be enough that you can reasonably get stuff done, and it's not such a long period of time I like that. Um, that that, uh, uh, that uh, you really have to start worrying about interleaving. But when you start swinging swords or shooting guns or you have a three-second fuse, what happens when really matters? Um, and especially if you're mm-hmm. dealing with modern... Um, modern weapons that uh or even just a duel right if you look at some of the uh the i, I once did i broke out a just for for curiosity uh i was there was a historical european martial arts longsword fight uh between um what's his name Lockwood? anyway uh but he, he was a role-playing game writer as well uh, i i think he, he wrote uh uh Song, Riddle of Steel, maybe, um, okay. but he, but he's a longsword fighter and a good one, uh, and so he and someone else. But with the, and it was a championship fight, and there was an exchange, and it was you know attack, parry, boom, 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 and all of this happens, you know, multiple blows and counter blows in about two or three seconds. Yeah, and and in order to get the resolution of here's the attack, here's the parry, here's the counter, whatever, you had to go down to milliseconds. Tens of milliseconds, but you—it you, really was as fast as GURPS made it out, um, in order to to see what happens in that exchange. So you know, I I still remember, and it was a big influence on me playing a D and D second edition game, where I was playing a first level character, and I did something, and a bad guy, bandit, comes out, moves like thirty or forty feet, and I'm an archer. It stabs he, you in the face. And he stabs me in the face, and he kills me. And I had I had no agency. 
no ability to say, well, didn't I see this guy? No, you had a bad DM. Yeah, I did. But, but nonetheless, the lack of agency and the ability to, to interrupt or see whatever was a problem for me. Um, and yeah, it was probably novice DM or he made a mistake or just wasn't thinking, but that was the thing. And so sometimes that finer resolution, uh, is useful. Yes, yes, Um, yes. And, and, but telescoping time like that is something that I feel a game like fate would handle natively. Because it already has zones of conflict rather than a map, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you have, there are, I, I shouldn't say this out loud because, of course, I went and wrote a grappling mechanic, although I was borrowing heavily. <laughs> but but, but that's, I guess that I say, I didn't write a grappling mechanic. I said, why throw away a perfectly good mechanic that you should use more? Not And the, the only thing that was really novel about that was the damage type control damage right roll to hit if you hit roll damage the damage type is control and then you can do things with that damage you can you know headlock someone you can convert control to hit points that's like an arm bar you're breaking somebody you can apply pain and maybe make them submit blah 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 the point is is that okay the application of control points was my unique special sauce but roll to hit versus an armor class then roll damage. That's just a standard D&D combat mechanic. It's a standard GURPS combat yes, mechanic, is. right? And if why, I want to why get... do something that why do something new when old is perfectly good? And so there are enough things like telescoping time and zones of control and range bands that get bigger and bigger because really once you get way out there, who cares? Yep. Right? You're really far away. It doesn't matter if you're Traveler really far away plus 10 bands. yards. And and I am I will almost guarantee and, and GURPS action has range bands as well. Um, and I will almost certainly bring those into Mission X. My point of all this stuff is that there are so many great extant combat or any any mechanic sitting around uh, while you can go invent something, by and large, you will get better results looking at the pros and cons of mechanics that already exist. And co-opting what you can, and so I intend to steal it off. Yeah, yep. If you're <laughs> going to be a painter, people are still just buying paints and using those. Right. For, and if I ever feel like I want to get slagged online, I go on and when someone complains about uh, Dungeons and Dragons combat is boring, I say the combat system isn't boring. You're boring. If you want right. your comments to be interesting, you need to do interesting things. Thanks. And I right. get slagged. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I, I think I, there's yeah. yeah. I get crushed. You, know, <clears throat> you certainly can play it dull. You can play almost anything dull. Mm, um, yeah. You can you can, but you can you can be more. You can definitely be more interesting. Um, you know, you need to you need to surf that fine line between dramatic tension and and uh and not letting the rules be uh a shackle yep now you're talking about the art of role playing then when you go down that row of a hole which where i live and i try to enact with my players and pull it out of them in certain ways um players try here's one of my opinions players try to control the game by Utilizing the rules and the mechanics and looking at their character sheet. When why don't they just try to control the environment and the game by the presence of their character? How do you get yeah. there with this? That's my ideal. It's like yeah, that's yeah, where yeah, you yeah. are, and then the rules are subsumed be below that and and get pulled up when when needed. I I, I think that's fair. I think the. Uh... I think the thing that you that you that you run in there is you know the players are going to want to impact the world through the lens of their character, right? And so if they are not deeply invested in their character, or maybe they're not quite sure how an action that they want to take translates mechanics-wise, or they're just they they they, they view it as a war game, or 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 or, a, or uh, of the rules, uh, you know, having that that nice blend of 
uh, this is kind of what my character would do, and the game master says, all right, we'll roll with that. And either you say roll something or you say, yeah, that's a great action. I'm just going to say, yeah, that's a, that's a great action. I, yes, your character has, you know, oh, I'm going to fly the helicopter. No, okay, you can't fly the helicopter. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to start the car. Oh, yeah, of course, you can start the car. I can go and drive away, right? Um, I, I For my 40th birthday, my, my uh, family bought me one hour flying a helicopter. Okay. Uh, like I learned to fly a helicopter. That was uh, a bit intense. It was really cool, but what it was the, the the you know uh, I have now had limited stick time between a helicopter and an airplane, and I will talk you down works with a uh, uh, an airplane. An airplane wants to fly, a helicopter wants to kill you. Yeah, I think I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so the the reason I, I I divert there is that there are some things that a player may say, oh, and I do this. When you're like, look, you know, that's that's not within the capabilities of the paper person that you're playing. Um, uh -huh. But as long as what they're doing is within the capabilities of the paper person that they're playing, then have it. That was actually one of the brilliant bits of the character design from the Star Wars uh, role playing game. Everybody could do everything. Some people were better at certain things. Yes, yes. You never couldn't do something. I fly the starship. You may absolutely fly the starship. That's You're rolling space 2D. Opera. And... That is space opera. It's right. built into the genre right. and the original source material. Right. Um, and everything was old hat. And, of course, you can fly a starship because everybody knows how to fly a starship. Some people are just really good at it. Um, you know, in a lot of role-playing games, fantasy, modern, otherwise, your player characters are uh, a effectively a troop of special ops um yeah and and the modern special ops are really capable they don't just shoot they're mm -hmm. smart they're fast will of iron I, I had the honor to be taught a business course uh, called cross lead um by a delta force guy ex delta force guy mm -hmm. uh very impressive individual in, in, in all respects as one would imagine but these guys are incredibly capable and many, not all, role-playing genres uh, assume a multifunctional cross-trained team of specialists going in to kill things and take their stuff. Um, and, and other genres, like horror, assume that you're Flip not the capable. script. Flip, Flip the, the script. script. Uh, and so, again, you have to be genre-aware. In, in, in horror genre, standing there screeching in fear as the zombie comes to kill you uh, is part of the genre. That's just sort of expected. In a special ops or, you know, uh, uh, Walking Dead, mm -hmm. the name characters uh, are going to react well until their contract runs out. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're that, they're like, oh, we need to do something cool. Yeah. All right, man. Yo, man. Oh, man. Um, but uh, the... Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you have to be genre aware, and the players have to be somewhat genre aware. But by and large, you know, there there is always going to be a uh, social yes, let's have as much fun as we can part of this. And at least for me, as I've gotten older and getting people together to play has been harder. Okay. Right. You've got you know, the 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 opportunity cost face to face someone... face to face or online. Yes. Okay. Just yeah, I, I mean, face to face certainly. Uh, the 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 rise of the virtual tabletop and online play has greatly facilitated being able to play at all. Uh, but still, you're dealing with well, you know, do I want to spend two to five hours or whatever it is in front of the computer screen when I could be taking my child to, of course, to whatever, right? But um, the way we're having yeah. this conversation is the way I run a role playing game online. I may throw up some maps and stuff because they're needed or afterwards after the players have spent some time in a place, well, let's give them a visual of, you know, the place that they're inhabiting. And I find, I find it works just really well. It translates it, very well. I, I think it does as well. You have to have the right group. Um, people who are going to respond to that, um, that tends to self-select. <laughs> yes, it you know, does. If, yes, it does. If, 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 you know, people are like, hey, where's my map? I can't even, I can't even, I can't even even. Right? I've been, um, 
I've always done this, and I've done it with different games, and they've all been complete strangers, and I've just solicited online, and I, I've, I don't know. I think some people may have not known what to expect, but I've won them over. And I was very happy to see that, that yeah. the actual, the art, that getting into the role playing and that they don't have to, they just, I can carry you. Think about what you want to do and right. do. I bristle at, you know, well, how far away they are. You don't fucking know. <laughs> that, that, that's actually where I think that uh, the range band concept works really yeah. well because you're like, how far away? They're touching distance. Okay, yeah, they're I close or, well, they're, right? yeah. yeah, across the room, right? And, and you know, there are a couple situations mostly involving the precision delivery of missile fire. Okay. Where, where exact range matters. Okay. Um, beyond that, right? Because, you know, like, like people have described sniping as weaponized math because it is. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. I, I'm, I'm Straight delivering up. something at a thousand yards. It's a trajectory. You've got all these forces. Uh -huh. You need to know them. Uh, the 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 there's a grenade launcher that the U.S. tried to deploy that uh, I think they're still trying, uh, which you laze the target and then you would program how many meters past the target you wanted the grenade to explode, mm -hmm. um, so that it was basically to blow up on the other side of a cover. Yep. Yep. Get you. Uh, so that. so again, that's 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 where you actually need quote-unquote need to know but in that particular case that you don't need to know you just need to say oh i'm going to do this and you say okay do you laze it and if the answer is yes then you say okay i, I push the button and the thing happens um you don't actually need to know it's 1026 meters you just need to know that the character knows yeah yeah um but but there while there are a few cases where precision knowledge of distance matters i would probably guess that uh, it really ought not to matter during the combat encounter to the extent that, for example, it can matter uh, if you're playing uh, a, a GURPS game where two yards, three yards, five yards, seven yards, 10 yards, 15 yards, each has mm -hmm. an incremental penalty. And those penalties, this is a 3d6 roll, so it matters. Right. Uh, if you, yes, if you, 3D6, if you take a, that's the one thing I'm attracted. Why I tried to get into GURPS and Heroes and I failed uh, was I was attracted to the bell curve. The bell curve. Yep. I was attracted to that. And, and it's very attractive. It's, it's a, it is once you get used to, once you get used to, and I've, I've heard people complain, oh, well, I don't like the bell curve because all the penalties aren't the same. Like if you have a skill of 16, a minus two is nothing. And if you have a 12, your odds of success, your odds of failure have just gone from one failure in four to one failure in two. Your odds of failing have doubled in the one case and really hardly changed at all if you're already good. Well, I found that that mirrors life. If you're really good at something, you can do it in a tough environment. If you're, nah, not so much, then, you know, it's kinda, you, you, you get distracted and you drive off the road, yep. right? This is why young people kill themselves on the highway because mm -hmm. they're not on autopilot then it's, yep. right so sure. um and that's what happens is when you're really good at something you can absorb those penalties and the bell curve does great for that but the flip side of that is that frequently like in dnd really you, your odds of success are pretty much in a window uh, in fifth edition dnd your odds of success mm -hmm. are pretty much in a window and the difference between a really high level character and a really low level character Roughly speaking, is what I mean. Yes, you can stack stuff up, but by and large, not much. You know, the, there's not, not much. much. Day, there's not much daylight between. Like thirty percent, forty percent, it can get more. But, but it probably services if, the game. It, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not complaining about it so much as just saying that that the difference that you can see with the one d twenty is almost always you're going to be able to try and do something, uh, whereas in a bell curve, you you start to hunt penalties. Whereas in D&D, yeah. &D, you can just, yeah, just, yeah. just stop. Just roll the dice. Just yeah. move on. Describe what you're going and go with with things where a plus one or a plus two change your odds from 50% to 75% to 90%. That's a big deal mm -hmm. in a short range. And so you yeah. go bonus hunting. 
Yes, yes. And you, you're willing to stop the game to find that plus one. Yes. And, and that's where things can get bogged down. Where I tried to circumnavigate um, as a dungeon master, these uh, or game master, these issues with the bell curve in GURPS and hero games is I come back to understanding the turn of logic of the game. Someone says they're going to do something. I say you need a nine or less. Well, wait a minute. I, right. I blah 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 blah, and it's like, and uh, and so I couldn't bridge that gap uh, with players that that mattered to, and where I just wanted to, I could adjudicate. I know it's right. harder. It's a thirteen or less. It's eleven or less. Right. It's a nine or less. It's a seven. I got it, and that's your chance. And they want to go no. I, there's this list of modifiers right here. Right. And so I had to, I guess, stop using those systems because it didn't fit the way that I wanted to that you wanted to run, run the game. a game. No. And, and what, what I would wind up doing, is, like when I ran Citadel at Nordborn at, at the Steve Jackson Games for Nordcon live uh, a few years back, uh, I had 13 players around my table uh, because I was running pretty much the only hosted role-playing game uh, for GURPS anyway. There was some TFT going on, but that was more melee skirmishing. Yeah. But in terms of, like, let's actively role play, I was it. And I wasn't turning anybody away. Uh, okay. I, I don't like, if you're come if you've come to a convention. Yeah, convention, travel, you just got to, and if you're going to run, and you got to accept. play with me, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Now, there's there's some, there, there there is a sort of thing, it's like, look, you know, if I'm one of 30 people, it was never that bad. But, you know, if I'm one of 12 people at the table, you know, I paid to have a game, and so there's four or six people, and my time is diluted, and I get that. But for this particular thing, I was like, yeah, this is Nordborn. It's fairly new. I'm helping sell the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game. One of my new authors is going to playtest what became the Dragons of Rosgarth. Uh, I want that feedback I want. Anyway, the point is I had about – six or seven of those 13 people who had never played GURPS before. And the others had various degrees. Some of them had a lot of experience. And what and you figured out pretty quick. Uh, and, so, and what I would do is I would just go around and I'd be like, look, you know, there's 12 or 13 of us at the table. If you want to do something fancy, you have 12 people to figure out what your side of those modifiers are. Huh. Be ready. If you've never played before, tell me what you want to do, and I'll tell you what to roll against. Yep, that was that's usually my default. Right, just, make a roll. Just tell me what you're a, going to do, and I'll and, right. yeah. make a roll against sword or whatever, and I'll figure out the rest from there. And I would, and it worked, and it worked. Right, the people who wanted detail brought the detail with them. Like there was one guy who was playing a wrestler. And he really wanted to suplex this one character. And so he had the thing and he, he grappled the skeletal warhorse and grappled them a couple of turns, built up this huge amount of control points. And then his turn came around. He's like, and I'm going to buy something. He turned that thing into bone dust. Nice. It was awesome. Yep. It was awesome. He did like a billion points of damage, whatever. Right. And so he had fun, but he was ready. He had all the mechanical support. And so he was ready to go. He knew what he wanted to do and he did it. And that was great. And then, you know, some other player, was like I, I hit him. You know, I'm a cleric. I guess I need to hit him with my mace. Okay, roll against axe mace. I, I made it by three. All right, you hit him in the face. Great. Actually, I probably said you hit him in the chest, but whatever. Um, and, and when I'm playing a character, so always I'm going to slam my shield into the guy's face, and I'm going to take my mace to his knee. Right. Whatever. <laughs> right. You know. Um, but that's the thing is that you just you know be flexible and and, and you know that that was the thing. You know, you're there to. In that particular case, I'm there to entertain. I'm there to have fun. I want people to engage with the system and the game. And I, you know, let's let's bring this back around. I want them to buy my stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because you know, I need to. You know, I, I would like to keep doing this. And and uh, it, with uh, a dominant paradigm, which is D and D, uh, and specifically with the paradigm. The, uh, uh, the the system loyalty that people have in the fifth edition, the largest uh, uh, single uh, space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. like the five E official products, and it's the the amount of space that you have to be a third party independent is is actually pretty small. There aren't too many people who are out there 
doing like, oh, I've got 10 employees doing 5e things in this robust thing. I mean, there's probably a couple, but it's not, it's not a ton. It's hard to pry people away. Um, And, you know, GURPS and even the TFT, you know, my, my best project ever is in the low 600s, which is okay. But in order to say, yeah, I got this. I really need to start pulling like 800 to 1200 people on my projects because that gets me out of the, I've, especially in the GURP space where it's color. Okay. Color is expensive. It's expensive to print. The art is twice as expensive usually because it's color. Yep. Um, and, and so, so the doing that sort of stuff is more expensive. And so you need more people willing to pay more money and they're, never willing to pay quite as much as the extra cost. I'm not, that's not a fault of anybody, but if you have a book in black and white that sells for 10 bucks or sorry, let me try it again. Forget price. If it costs you $5 or, or $10 to, to print it, it's going to cost you probably seven to 20 in color. It's yeah. like, 60 to 100% more. And the thing is, is that it's not just the reprint cost. The cost of the PDF is more. To get to the PDF stage is a lot more. And electrons are only free after they're done. Making the electrons is really the hard part, right? After that, you're just reproducing. Um, and, and getting over, like I, I've estimated that it costs between $150 and $250 a page to do what I do um right okay. uh and actually the shorter books tend to be more expensive because the cover is amortized over fewer pages <laughs> very interesting right douglas you've given yes. me an immense amount of time for this interview and i want to thank you very much and i want to wrap this up and i want to wrap it up with two questions a couple of just yeah bring it okay the first one is if you know um if you're going to Paint a painting like Picasso, but translate that to the role-playing game. What does that entail? As in, I'm doing, I'm trying to create art in this forum with other people, and I think, and I ask this because I think role-playing is a legitimate art form, just like okay. painting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you paint like Picasso in role-playing? How do you get to that level? And what ingredients? And does that place even exist? I, I think it does. If I had to, to distill it, I'd say inspiration and agency. Inspiration, agency, and shared vision, right? Uh, inspiration, you need to have people willing to do the equivalent of turning the page. Agency, the people who you have brought to your table need to feel like they matter in the world. Uh, it doesn't have to be... 100%. Doesn't have, right? It doesn't have to matter. And it doesn't have to be, I matter globally. Right. Um, uh, there's actually a great, somewhat profound line in the TV show Angel with David Boreanaz. Uh, if, 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 what was it? If all we, if we're just temporary, if we're ephemeral, if, if all we do, if we, all we do is what we are, then what we are is all we do. No, the other way around. If what we are is all we do, then what we do is all we are. That that, that moment yes. of agency where you impact the world. Even if it's brief, even if it's temporary, uh, uh, the line from Justice League, Batman says to Flash, save one person. And, right? Save one person. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I'm running what? a Supers game in, these days. The house right. game of Vanishing Tower is, is right, DC right. Heroes. And uh, I'm really fortunate. The players, that's important. They right. look at that like they're, steep, they're, they're steeped in the genre. So, so you've got inspiration. You want them to turn the page. Agency. They have to affect the world, and, and shared expectations. You got to be playing the same game. Yes, yes. And, and 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 I have found in my almost fifty years of life, and and perhaps uh, forty or so of gaming, that most games die from a failure to meet shared expectations. Not because the system is bad, not because uh, of so many other reasons, right? The games die because I came to the table for two to five hours on a Saturday night 
and my expectations were not met. True. And they leave True. because they yep. have better things to do with their time. Um, yep. And they're right. Um, because and, and this is this this is can be especially true when you have good friends or whatever who don't have equal expectations, right? I just want to hang with my friends and my game master, or I want to roll. I'm a method actor and I'm gonna play my character. And the game master is like, You got 12 orcs to kill, stop soliloquying here. Yeah, let's right. You're gonna hit him with done. your sword or your dagger. You don't got two choices here, right? So, so it can go all kinds of ways where where the players or you've got two players who are, you know, one of them is like, no, 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 no. You're making the role. You're playing your character wrong. That's always my favorite. Right? You're playing your character wrong, guys. Like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm playing my character. Stop. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right. But, but that's what kills the game is is failure to to engage in shared expectations. And if you have a group of people like you seem to, like you said, you build and you have shared expectations, you're meeting each other's shared expectations. That campaign will go until you decided shared goes something else. Or, or life changes. Like I can't right. give you Sunday morning anymore. Right. I, I've done it for two and a half years right? and things and have changed. Different. My life right. has changed. And right. that's a mark of success. Um, I find also that, you know, that your game is cooking when the players are talking to each other and you can just yeah. sit back and they go on, this and they this right. and this and right. it's not you know like meticulous planning they're like it's an emotional like what the hell are you right. talking and, about or and, and bringing it back to bringing that back and then i'll let you get to your second question but bringing it back to the relationship map if you have engaged players and you have the relationship map that we talked about earlier it it, it, it it's a virtuous cycle and it drives itself the players are motivated and they're proactive and it's all you need to do is kind of throw what they expect at them and that doesn't mean that oh look this is all predictable sometimes they expect a twist yeah you gotta give it all to right and, you, and 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 as long as you've built your actually what i would recommend to everybody is go buy and read ken heights knights black agents uh, if okay. only I for met that man. That, i met that man I really he, he, so he was initially he was my editor for dragon harrison uh i got to sign my uh, my copy of quail yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, but, he, but, but he was uh, my editor for Dragon Heresy for a while, gave some great advice, but then he got tapped to be lead designer for uh, Vampire or whatever it was. That he, I yep, think. Yep. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, I can't do what you're doing. I can't, I can't, uh, he's like, I can't keep doing for you because I have this huge gig to do. And I'm like, I totally get that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you got to do what you got to do. And so anyway, but the point is Nice Black Agents has some really great advice on how to build a layered structure of mystery and deceit. He calls it the conspiracy. Um, mystery and deceit, yep. Right, so you've got this layer of, you have this layer of factions that you interact with, and those factions are controlled by a tier of other factions. And anyway, so it's a great way of building, and you, again, the players only need two or three deep. They, they're only interacting with one or two layers at a time usually unless they end run something but the point is is that once you build to this you can just do your thing and, and figure out what is going on uh, uh, as you go and and anyway the the you can have a very dynamic game that's almost spontaneous requires very little offline prep because you've got this layered structure and so again the world feels alive so that was that was the thing so yeah shared expectations living world inspiration which really ties into living world mm -hmm. um Great. yeah my, yeah. my last question and i'll let you go from the grip of the vanishing tower press here is uh, why do uh rule books sell better than adventures Everyone needs the rule book to set. Uh, I, I'm going to quote Buffy the Vampire Slayer: uh, "Rules, borders, and an end zone. It's part of the shared expectations. This is what the game is about. This is the kind of thing you can do. This is the level of resolution, and it provides that. Most adventures are based." on a certain amount of preconception and structure that the author must provide in order to make the adventure work. If you get outside of that, you can no longer use it. Number two, 
you don't need seven copies of an adventure to run an adventure for seven people. You need one. Very good, Doug. <laughs> Doug from Gaming Ballistic has just uh, slummed around here at the Vanishing Tower, uh, the DIY um, corner, dark corner, and I'm getting a little punchy, but this has been a, a great experience, and I hope you've enjoyed your your time that you spent with me as well, Douglas. I, I love talking about gaming, and I'm glad that you uh, indulged me for two hours. Fantastic. You have a great evening. You too.